Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Halibut people and our world. I'm Glenn Wheeler. The Mi'kmaq are known as the people of the dawn. When the Europeans arrived, they landed first in the traditional territories of the Mi'kmaq, what is now eastern Canada and the northeastern United States. Perhaps more than any other indigenous group, we've had to deal with the effects of assimilation. The enrollment process for the Halibu Mi'kmaq First Nation is the latest chapter. Thousands of us are being deemed by the government of Canada as being something other than Mi'kmaq. Many of us who have had to leave our communities to look for work are being denied status, though our brothers and sisters back home have been accepted. These few days since the letter started to arrive have been difficult. Difficult for the families affected and difficult for the Halibut chief and council. Along with the divisions in our families, there are divisions on council. Mi'kmaq Matters has confirmed that at least two members of Halibut Council have resigned from the board of the Federation of Newfoundland Indians. The FNI is the body that entered into the controversial supplemental agreement with Canada. Members of Halibut Council served jointly on the FNI board, or did in the case of several of them. The names of four of 12 Halibut Council members do not appear on the list of FNI directors posted online. The FNI will be one of the parties who will have to defend the supplemental agreement and the point system if the matter ends up in court. Those next legal steps are the subject of Mi'kmaq matters this week. The Mi'kmaq First Nation Assembly of Newfoundland is gearing up for legal action. Its lawyer is Jamie Lickers of the national law firm Gowlings. I asked Jamie Lickers about her assessment of the letters received thus far and where the FMNAN legal challenge goes from here. I'm here with Jamie Lickers, legal counsel to the Mi'kmaq First Nation Assembly of Newfoundland. And Jamie, let me ask you... uh, First, you've seen the various versions of the the various uh, letters going out. What are your observations at this point? I, I have seen a few letters, Glenn. I'm not sure, I'm not confident saying at this point that we have seen every version of the letter that has gone out. I have, um, to date, I have seen um, a copy of, of an acceptance letter, which was, was nice to see. I've also seen copies of, I would say, two different types of rejection letters. One group where individuals are being rejected and informed that they do not have a right to appeal the decision and that the decision is final. And then there's been another set of rejection letters based on uh, rejection based on different criteria where applicants are being advised that they do have a right of appeal and they're provided with a notice of appeal that they can fill out if they wish to appeal their rejection from from membership in the band. And who, which category of rejections is being provided with the right to appeal? So, uh, good question. And I don't know that we know the complete answer to that question as of yet. I may, tomorrow I might see a new letter that I haven't seen yet. What we're seeing right now 
is that individuals who are rejected from band membership because they failed uh, failed to prove that they self-identified as a as a Mi'kmaq person um, on the date of the recognition order, those are the letters that we have seen where individuals are told that they do not have um, any appeal rights. So those decisions are, are final. The other category of decisions where individuals are being informed that they have a right to appeal their decisions are individuals who are being rejected based on the other criteria in the agreement. So for example, um, failure to demonstrate the degree of ancestry that is required for membership or failing to demonstrate that they are a member and accepted as a member of a Mi'kmaq group of Indians in Newfoundland. One of the issues that is raising the most uh, angst among people is the out-of-province issue. People who went away to work, they were either transferred by their employer or just went away on their own accord to find work and build careers in Ontario or Alberta or elsewhere. Their brother, sister are members and have been approved, and they the out-of-province people have been rejected and um, they regard uh, that as being unfair based on their circumstances. Do you have as, any sense yet of um, of whether there'd be a, a legal argument about the fairness or otherwise of those rejections? Well, I, I, I agree with people who, who feel that way. It, it seems incredibly unfair. Uh, even outside of uh, of the legal realm and you know legal rights and remedies there's just something that is that is profoundly unfair with the way that certain people are being uh rejected from band membership and and their entitlement to indian status because of uh, factors that have been entirely outside of their control i have spent the last uh 3 days talking to numerous individuals who who fall into that category of people who who have been rejected most of them are are living outside of Newfoundland and who feel that their rejection is is profoundly unfair and some of these individuals have you know very compelling stories i i spoke with one individual whose mother was uh was denied her band membership uh, her eight other siblings uh, were granted their band membership, and his mother happens to be the only sibling who left Newfoundland. She left Newfoundland to to go to school, to go to university, and while she was away, she met her her now husband, um, and they married and they had children outside of the province of of Newfoundland. She travels home on a regular basis. She is very close with her eight siblings who continue to reside in Newfoundland. And her ancestry is, is obviously no different than her siblings. Um, but, you know, she she made a life a life choice to go and to get an education and, um, you know, and better her future and, and, and provide for her family. And, and this is the result of that decision. I spoke to another individual just today who left the province of Newfoundland to serve in the Canadian Armed Forces. His siblings also remained in Newfoundland, and they were all granted their band membership, and he was denied. And that, to me, is is profoundly unfair. This is this is someone who is serving our country, who made a decision to, to fight for this country, 
um, and that took him outside of the province. And when he re- returned from from doing his duty, he ended up uh, relocating to to Alberta, and that's that's where his his life you know took it took its roots, and and that's where he remains. And to now punish that individual for those life decisions by uh, depriving them of, of band membership when the rest of his family has been granted membership is it, it's profoundly inequitable and, and unfair in my view. Now, many people are talking about uh, lawsuits uh, taking um, filing uh, a claim against um, the federal government or the FNI or whoever. I guess there's a possibility that they'll will have multiple sets of uh, litigation. Now, you are acting for the Mi'kmaq First Nations Nations Assembly of Newfoundland. It might not be good for the interests of people if we have all all these uh, sets of litigation going on. So do you see any possibility of coordinating legal action so that we don't have all these these various sets that might... um, might not serve each other all that well. That's a a really great question, Glenn. And I have as well seen uh, talk on the internet generally and different Facebook pages of of people who um, who state that they are speaking with lawyers and that they intend intend to file claims against um, a whole range of parties. Sometimes it's uh, it's against the federal government alone. Sometimes people talk about commencing litigation against the federal government and the Halibu Band and the Federation of Newfoundland Indians. And people have their legal rights and and they have a right to exercise their legal rights. I think at the end of the day, applicants would be be served by some sort of a coordination of of efforts. Litigation, first of all, is expensive um, and it's not economical to duplicate an action by having the same type of action filed numerous times, perhaps by different individuals in different courts. Um, but also, I think there is there is an organization that has been fighting this this fight for a number of years now, and and successfully challenged a number of earlier decisions, and that is the Mi'kmaq First Nations Assembly of of Newfoundland, and you know they've been committed from the beginning to ensuring fair and and equal treatment for all applicants regardless of where people reside regardless of you know whether they self-identified on a particular date but the, you know they've been working very hard over the last number of years to to bring these issues to light and they're they're continuing to do so now in the event that individuals um do decide to file their own claims the court, of course, has has the power to to bring actions together if there's similar relief sought. In in fact, it happens on a fairly regular basis. If you have three or four lawsuits that are filed over the same issue, the court will often consolidate those actions into one or or attempt to get the lawyers to work together to you know to certify something as a class action, for example. Um, and then the actions get managed altogether so that there is a judicial economy to the way that things are handled. But for individuals who are contemplating legal action, I would encourage them first to to uh, review the information that's being provided by the Mi'kmaq First Nations Assembly of Newfoundland. They have uh, both a website and a Facebook page. They provide regular legal updates on the status of, of what's happening with the enrollment process and with their legal action. Um, and those legal updates are 
they come directly from, from my office. They contain sound legal advice. I know people can be skeptical sometimes if you don't know the source of certain information, but Mi'kmaq First Nations Assembly of Newfoundland is, is posting legal information that is coming directly from their legal counsel. And, you know, have a review and, and judge for yourself whether you think the organization is 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 capable of representing your interest and then you know, if so, I would encourage people to to join that organization and use that resource. So the if if people are MFNAM members, of course, the membership fee is uh, is just twenty dollars. Can they assume that if they are members and that they've been denied, that they will be uh, considered to be part of any litigation that might come forward from the FNAM? What is the uh, relationship between? the litigation and the individual members? So there's there's two parts to answer that question. And the one thing that we want to make very clear to applicants is that it is very important that you exercise your legal rights to appeal your decision. So if you fall into that category of individuals who've been rejected from membership and your letter tells you that you have a right to appeal, it will also have come with a notice of appeal. If you have a right to appeal, please, please do appeal. And we're working together right now with the MFNAN to outline, uh, to draft a document that outlines instructions for applicants to tell them, to help guide them in filling out their notices of appeal because we want to make sure that everyone who has a right to appeal actually does appeal. Now, those appeals are only going to deal with that individual decision. So every individual will have to appeal their own decision and the appeals master will then review their particular decision. We all know that there are bigger legal issues at play here and that some of the unfairness that we're seeing and some of the inequality in the way that that applicants are being uh, treated, that is coming from the criteria itself in the agreement, the way that it was drafted, the way that it's being applied and the way that the enrollment committee um, use the point system to make decisions. That is not something that an individual applicant is going to be able to challenge in their notice of appeal to the appeals master. Those are issues that have to be dealt with in the courts in a larger legal action, and that is precisely what the MFNAN is in the process of um, advancing, and it's something that's going to take time. So in the interim, we want to make sure that people are filing their notices of appeal, doing everything that they need to do to protect their legal rights, and we will continue to provide updates to applicants as the larger legal issues are advanced. Right. So just thinking ahead then, uh, the next, the letters are, many people have received their letters and they're still being received, and now we're into the 45-day appeal period. So that's the the next stage in the situation, and then I suppose um, we'll be in there'll be another phase after that, after the appeal period. Uh, that's of, right. In terms of the litigation, um, the the path of lit- of litigation. That's right, and it's keeping in mind it's going to take some time, I imagine, for the appeals master to consider all of the appeals. I, I suspect. I I hope that they are anticipating receiving quite a number of appeals. And in the meantime, the larger legal questions of whether the criteria itself is is constitutional and is fair and is equitable, uh, 
those are decisions that that have to be made unfortunately through a larger court process but hopefully with with some engagement from the federal government i'm i'm optimistic i know that applicants have have been involved in this process for a number of years and they're they're very skeptical uh, of the process and of whether any fair result can be achieved but i think it's worth keeping in mind that up until uh, this point until this round of decisions uh, we were dealing with a, a, a different government in power, and this is the first opportunity that Trudeau's Liberal government has to really address this issue head-on, to recognize that this process has not been handled in a way that is fair and equitable, and to really do the right thing. And I'm, I'm confident that that reason can prevail and that there may be a way to, to resolve this issue outside of the courts and, and come to a, a fair negotiated resolution of these issues. And that was Jamie Lickers, legal counsel to the Mi'kmaq First Nation Assembly of Newfoundland. The MFNAN is holding a public meeting on the enrollment issue on February 23rd. It takes place at the cafeteria of Cornerbrook Regional High starting at 7.30 p.m. The event will be broadcast live by Bay of Islands Radio and streamed at boir.ca and available around the world. Confirmed guests include Chief Brenda Mitchell, Provincial Minister Jerry Byrne, and Cornerbrook Mayor Charles Pender. Mi'kmaq Matters contacted the Office of Long Range Mountains MP Goody Hutchings to ask if she would be attending. We received no answer. And this coming Saturday, February 11th, the regular meeting of Halibut Council takes place in Stephenville at the Lions Club. Mi'kmaq Matters will be there. That's it for the show this week. Thanks to Allison Baker for assistance here in the studio. Thanks to Alibu artist Marcus Goss for permission to use Celebration Time. View and purchase the work of Marcus Goss at the Arts and Culture Center in Cornerbrook until February 25th. Follow us on Twitter at Mi'kmaq Matters. That's M-I-Q-M-A-Q Matters. Check us out online, mi'kmaq-matters.blogspot.ca. Listen on SoundCloud or subscribe on iTunes. This is Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.